I have always been gripped by the book of Job. Uh, the book of Job is it's a book that is, is utterly fascinating to me. Uh, and, and the book is also overwhelming to me. And now being able to preach through the book of Job literally feels like for me being dropped into the Gulf of Mexico during Hurricane Katrina without a lifeboat. <laughs> Just kind of wading around and making my way around in this ocean, in this depth of wisdom and knowledge contained in this, in this book. And because of this, because the book of Job is, is so deep, it's so overwhelming, we're, we're not going to be able to exhaust it uh, together in this series. As I have opportunity to preach, though, we're going to cover uh, the book of Job um, roughly, as I've kind of mapped it out, roughly over uh, the course of this next year. And in contrast to that, though, I want to mention, uh, as we begin this morning, uh, the Puritan Joseph Carlyle, he spent 25 years <laughs> preaching through the book of Job. Now, I don't know what he was up to, but I, I often think maybe Carlyle was really trying to make his congregation feel the message of suffering <laughs> by going 25 years in the book. And while I would love... I would love to preach the book of Job until I retire. I'm not going to make you suffer like that. You have enough suffering of, as, of your own uh, than to deal with my preaching and making you suffer through my preaching for 25 years in the book of Job. Nevertheless, brothers and sisters, I want us to look at this book. It is a book in the Word of God, and we must deal with it, even though it isn't necessarily a fun book to deal with and to think about. I've titled this series of messages, Suffering with Job. And the reason is, is because the book of Job in large measure, is about human suffering. Now, I want to say it's not ultimately and it's not only about suffering. But suffering is a main theme in the book. And as you probably know, most of you know this this morning, the book of Job when we classify different books of the Bible, the book of Job is classified as wisdom literature. It's a wisdom book. It's like the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. And there's good reason why this is a wisdom book. The reason is, is because there is so much wisdom, there is so much God sent truth that we can glean about suffering from these 42 chapters in this book of Job. So I want to begin this series then by looking at four lessons, 
four lessons that we can glean from the first chapter, and then we're going to look a little bit at the last chapter, um, sort of the bookends of this book. Four lessons about the believer and suffering. So if you're not there already, please open with me to the book of Job. We're going to be looking at it here this morning in some detail. It's page 518, if you are borrowing a Bible. Job chapter 1. And here is the first lesson we see from this book, from this chapter even. And it's this, suffering comes to all people, even believers. Suffering comes to all people, even believers. One of the great mysteries and complexities of the book of Job that it explores is that suffering came to Job. Suffering came to this man called Job. Now, why is this so complex? Why is this such a mystery? The reason is because Job was godly and Job was great. First, Job was godly. He is, was, he's not around anymore, but he, Job is a believer. He's a believer in the one true God, and he is presented this way in this book. Look with me at chapter 1, verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Job was a godly man. In fact, so godly that he offered sacrifices just in case his children sinned against God. Look what it says in verse 5. I find this humorous in a way. Verse 5, When the days of feasting had completed their cycle, Job would send and consecrate them, his children. How would he do this? By rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, Perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus, Job did continually. And even through his suffering, even through the suffering, the text says in chapter 1, verse 22, that he did not sin, nor did he blame God for his suffering. The narrator to the book of Job, and we don't know who the narrator is, But the narrator is intent in saying that Job is a godly man. Job is a believer. The book never questions Job's godliness. It never questions his profession. He is never cast as an unbeliever. His faith is never questioned from the perspective of the narrator of this book. 
And not only was Job godly, but he was great. The opening verses give us this description in verse 2. Look at it. Chapter 1, verse 2. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. And that man was the greatest of all the men of the East. Job was a wealthy man. So Job is godly and he is great. Listen, Job is the model believer. That's what Job represents here. He's the model believer. He's respected in the community. He's a leader. He's the guy everyone wants to be around and to be with. That's Job. That's who he was. And yet, the irony and the shock that we are meant to feel of this book of Job is that of all people, suffering came to Job. Of all people, Job was the least to deserve the suffering. Of all people, Job was the last one that should have suffered. We're meant to see that Job should not have suffered, yet he did. He did. That's what the author wants us to see. Job, a godly and great believer, suffered. Suffering, human suffering does not discriminate on the basis of wealth, religion, language, ethnicity, geography, culture, or any other earthly category. Suffering comes to us all. Suffering, to put it maybe a little differently, is, is universal. It's unavoidable. Suffering is everywhere. It's all around us and it's in us. And we only have to look at the past year to recognize that all people suffer. COVID-19 has changed the lives of all of us, believers and unbelievers. Suffering like COVID-19 is truly a pandemic. Suffering is a pandemic. It's everywhere. And this means, this means that those professing Christians and worldviews that teach that suffering is a mirage, that suffering isn't real, that, that seek to deny that suffering exists, that, that suffering is just a state of mind, those people are flat out wrong. 
suffering is real. Just ask Job. (laughs) Ask Job if suffering is real. Listen, happy, clappy, paste a smile on your face Christianity is not real. It's not Christianity. Not at all. Believers suffer. Truly suffer. Real suffering. And those, listen, those who want to say that if you have more faith, If you are more godly, you are not going to suffer. It's untrue. It's untrue. And that message is propagated throughout our world, especially, especially in Sierra Leone. Job was godly. Job had great faith. And yet he suffered severely. Suffering comes to all people, even believers, the godliest believers we know. Lesson number two that we can take away from this chapter is that suffering comes unexpectedly and it comes fast suffering comes unexpectedly and it comes fast listen there is nothing job could have done to expect the suffering that came to him look with me at chapter 1 verse 13 Now on the day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, they were having a great time. A message came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them and the Sabaeans attacked them and took them. They also slew the servants with the edge of the sword and I alone have escaped to tell you. Verse 16, while he was still speaking, another also came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, the Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and behold, a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they died. And I alone have escaped to tell you. I want you to notice something that we tend to forget when we read the book of Job. When we read his story, 
You see, there is a heavenly discussion that takes place between God and Satan and the, and the angelic realm in verses 6 through 12 and then again in chapter 2. But Job was not privy to that discussion. He had no idea that that took place. We know that as readers of this story, as the narrator tells us. But Job had no idea. Job was minding his own business. He was caring for his family. And out of the blue, suffering struck. God did not warn Job. Job, listen up. There's a Mack truck about to hit your life. No forewarning for the suffering that came. No warning whatsoever. You see, the time, the time to prepare for suffering is now. It is now. Are you ready? For when suffering will strike, it's going to come and it's going to come unexpectedly. Furthermore, the reality is, all of us this morning, I can look out among you and I know you and I know your stories, most of you here this morning, and I know and I see suffering right now in your life. You're experiencing it right now. And when it comes again in full force, are you going to be ready? The book of Job is meant to help us to get ready. The book of Job was written so that we would know how to respond when suffering comes. And we're going to look at that here in a second. But before we do, I want to also point out that suffering not only comes unexpectedly, it comes fast. It comes fast. Read again with me verse 14. Look at it. A messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing, Job, and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans attacked them and took them. They also slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And after three months, verse 16, no, that's not what happened. It was while the first messenger was still speaking, another messenger came. And then Job lost all of his sheep and the servants. And while that messenger was speaking, another came. In verse 17, Job lost all of his camels. And while that messenger was speaking, another messenger came. Verses 18 and 19, Job lost his children. What do we say? When it rains, it pours. <laughs> When it rains, it pours. And that was what happened to Job. You know, I, I, could, I, could, I could say this in a number of ways this morning. Suffering comes unexpectedly and fast. 
And I could be on the receiving end of that. And it still not get through, but it gets through to us when it actually happens. Something similar happened to me about a year ago, a year ago in August of last year. Obviously not to the same scale as what happened to Job. But I remember very vividly, I was standing in the ER. I was in the waiting room and I was in disbelief of what was happening. I was literally, I I remember I was numb to the reality of what was happening to me. I was in shock. I couldn't do anything to stop my appendix from bursting (laughs) any minute. Couldn't stop it at all. And I remember at one point in this whole ordeal, I was on the bed and I was about ready to be wheeled into the operating room. And it was... It was amazing. I don't know if it was the prayers of you all or whatever, but for a split second, I stopped feeling any pain. And so I told the nurse, the pain is gone. Let me go. (laughs) And she said, you're not going to get out of here that fast. (laughs) I wanted to get out of the predicament just as fast as I got into the predicament. But I couldn't stop it. I couldn't stop it. It happened so fast. You know, we live in such a fast-paced world, don't we? I mean, we plan down to the second. I do. I leave very little margin in my schedule for providential interruptions, I plan to be at work on time. I plan that my flight is going to be on time. I plan that other people are going to show up at a meeting on time. This is how we live. I mean, if a flight is 10 minutes late, people are crying out in the streets. (laughs) And the whole system is disrupted, right? Because it's all connected together. It's only though, it's only though in those moments, those reminders of our life where we realize we are so fragile. We are so fragile and life can be taken from us just like that. In an instant. In an instant. Health, our wealth, Our loved ones can be taken away in the blink of an eye, as it did with Job. Why do we have to be reminded of this fact? I think we should read the book of Job more often, even though we don't like to. We don't like to live in this world of suffering and thinking about it. But I think we need to read the book of Job more and we need to reflect on it deeply that suffering happens unexpectedly and fast. Number three, the third lesson we learn is that suffering is an opportunity to trust God Suffering is an opportunity for you to trust God. 
one of the things we're meant to see in the book of Job is that suffering comes to Job, the believer. And Job's given no explanation of why suffering came. In fact, a large part of this book is taken up with everyone trying to give their explanation of why Job suffers. I mean, Job searches for answers. Job's three friends and the fourth friend give him their answers. Everyone wants to know why. And this is so common. This is what we want to know. When we suffer, we want to know why. Why is this happening to me? Why me? Why now? But often, suffering comes, and we don't have a reason why it comes. And I think the reason is, is because we're not always meant to know why. We're not always meant to know why. Listen, if you know why suffering comes, you and I might be tempted to put our trust in an explanation rather than a person. Suffering is meant to turn your heart to God. Suffering is meant for you to put your hope and your trust in God even when you can't see a reason why it is happening to you. In other words, suffering for the believer is meant to be an act of worship. Suffering for the believer is meant to be an act of worship. And this reality hit home to me. It hit home to me with a man named Chris Drager. Chris Drager was Pastor Jeff's best friend. Chris died several years ago now from cancer. And I had the opportunity to get to know Chris over the years Uh, He was a pastor at Twin Cities Bible Church, the sending church um, of our congregation, our mother church up in Maplewood. And in the last few years of his life, when the cancer started to spread more rapidly and the prognosis seemed more bleak and his suffering became more intense, he once said something to me that I will never forget. It has forever changed my perspective on suffering. And he said this, Dan, now here, here's a guy who is suffering incredibly. And he's, he's middle age. He's in his 30s, early 40s. And he said to me this, Dan, God has given to me the ministry of suffering. You see, for Chris, suffering was an act of worship. Suffering was an opportunity for him to trust God. Suffering was Chris's way to serve God. And this is exactly what Job comes to recognize. 
Look with me at chapter 1, verse 20. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked came Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What's Job doing here? How is Job responding to his suffering? He is trusting. He is worshiping. This is Job's response. And it should be our response. Why? Why should we worship through our suffering? Here's why. Because suffering takes from you. You and I lose something when you and I suffer. And we, we, we see clearly what suffering took from Job. It took everything but his life. He claims to be naked. He lost everything. But here's why Job could worship the Lord even amidst all of the loss and the pain. Here is why Job did not find his identity and value and worth wrapped up in his wealth in his success, in his career, in his family, and in his relationships. And I know that because when all of those things were taken from him, all of those things that he loved, he could say deep down in his heart, blessed be the name of the Lord. Suffering reveals what is truly inside of you. It, it does. Suffering is like the hot water we place a tea bag into. You know, we place a tea bag into hot water, and the hot water draws out what is inside of that tea bag. So it is with suffering. When you and I lose possessions, relationships, jobs, career, status, whatever we find our value and worth in, when we lose those things, our hearts in that moment are exposed. They're exposed. That's what suffering does. It, re it reveals what's truly inside of you. You see, we can put on a show of a godly Christian, we can come here to church, wear a smile on our face, but when suffering comes, it exposes what you are placing your hope and trust in. Suffering exposes what you value and you cherish. But as a believer, as a Christian, you can worship the Lord, not because of your suffering, but you can worship the Lord through 
your suffering. Friends, what what suffering are you experiencing right now in your life? What what trial has God brought to you? What have you lost? Or, Or what do you wish you have that you just don't have that in a sense is suffering? Maybe it's family, loved ones, health, a job, possessions, reputation. What is it? This is, this is a very penetrating question. What is it that you feel that you can't live without? 